Well, good morning. Welcome to Kersey Community Church Online. But happy Mother's Day, and it's kind of an interesting uh, Mother's Day by far. But just a little bit of tid trivia or tidbit information, whatever you want. But it's been uh, a year ago, last Mother's Day, is when we began meeting in uh, the gymnasium as we started our building program. And so we're just about ready to move over. Next time we have church, we're going to be over in our new building. And so we're excited about that. But happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And hopefully when we get back together, we'll uh, be able to celebrate that a little bit more, maybe along with Father's Day. I don't know. But we're glad that you're here with us. And let's just have a word of prayer as we begin uh, the message today. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this time together. And Lord, whatever you have for us right now, I just pray that our, our hearts are open for it. And and Lord, whatever's going on in each one of our lives, and, and as we deal with stress, uh, performance stress today, I just pray that we can uh, uh, make it a kind of stress that'll draw us closer to you. And so Lord, just let your word speak to us today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been uh, working through the book of Philippians and dealing with the topic of stress and how to handle stress. And I believe last week we talked about the self-centered stress that we have. And Sometimes another part of stress that we face is stress that we have to perform a certain way. So it'd be performance stress. And it starts out as, as children. It starts out as, okay, uh, be a good boy, be a, be a nice girl, uh, ma make your parents proud, uh, don't, ma don't make the family look bad. And then as we, as kids get a little older, we, the peer group becomes a little more important and People feel like they need to measure up to certain standards uh, of the group. They want to be worthy of, of being invited to parties or they want to sit with the cool kids at lunch. Social media creates even greater pressure that, that we need to be recognized and affirmed. Uh, and many people, and many kids and teenagers at this point find it hard to compete. So then we go on to college, the college age, the pressure to perform in school is even ramped up even more along with everything else anxiety is one of the biggest plagues amongst college students because future success depends upon their performance in school as well as how they're going to handle all the social aspects of school so then as we get out of college we become adults adulthood carries on its own performance we have our performance reviews of work Along with the same pressures as before that we've lived our whole life of be nice, uh, be good to the company, um, be worthy of the company, be a good parent, be a good grandparent. And so some of our stress that we face in our lives is, is unavoidable. But how does our faith fit into all of this with this performance stress? Because some faith actually adds stress. I mean, some of you have maybe come from a religious background that basically there was a lot of pressure for you to perform or you had to measure up to certain standards. You felt like you had to be a good Christian. You had to conform to whatever expectations the church brought on. And maybe your religious experience was in a group where full acceptance was a really hard to come by because you see people who didn't belong to the right families <laughs> at that church or maybe you didn't grow up into the the cool group 
and you were never admitted into the in-group. Now, if we look at our, our passage and we're dealing with the Philippian church, this whole book of Philippians, the Philippian church was dealing with some of those issues, and Paul's dealing with them. Paul felt compelled to confront the church. And so if you have your Bibles and you turn to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read the first six verses, it says here, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Now we see that circumcision was given to Abraham as a sign of being included in God's covenant promise. When Jesus came, when the Messiah came, Jesus Christ, all believers, not just the Jews, became children of God. Now there was a lot of debate back then in the church about whether Gentiles needed to be circumcised as a sign of their acceptance into uh, the Jewish church or God's covenant. And after serious discussion, the apostles realized and, and came up that Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. But what, from Paul, what Paul says here in this book of Philippians, it seems that there were some people in Philippi who were trying to convince these Gentiles that they still needed to be circumcised. Now, they were probably not saying that circumcision would save them. They were probably saying, if you get circumcised, you could just be a better Christian. In a sense that they're saying, you're maybe not quite as good as us, unless you get circumcised. Some Jews looked upon Gentiles as dogs. They, they called them Gentile dogs. And Paul turned that around when he uses rather graphic language. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. But circumstances was, uh, circumcision was also more than just status. Because if you got circumcised, you were obligated to obey every command of the Jewish law. I mean, you couldn't eat pork. You had to scrupulously keep hundreds of Jewish laws that they had come up with. You'd be under tremendous pressure to perform because it was only by keeping that Jewish laws that you could have confidence that you were living as a good Christian. Now, Paul had no tolerance for that. He did not like that this doctrine or this teaching was coming into the church. He didn't like it that they, they felt that their faith was based on cultural pride. He says they were superficial. They were being self-righteous. In a sense, he, he said they were bringing in this performance mentality. Now, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul could play this game with them because he says here in our scripture that he was 
born and bred a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was well-educated. He was a moralist. He was a defender of Judaism. But what's he say about it? He says it was just garbage. He said once that what had been a source of pride to him had drained his joy. It had made him less righteous. It had made him, it had left him without hope. Let's continue on our scripture. Let's look at verses 7 through 11 of Philippians 3. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying, I found a better faith. Paul is saying, the faith that I have found, my righteousness, was what Paul's saying, was not based on performance anymore. It was upon accepting the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9, he says he is to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So performance righteousness might be based on being a good church person. You know, that's a person who shows up for every service. They contribute as they're supposed to. They support the leadership, do everything that they're supposed to do. The story is told a family moved to town, and they were searching and going to different churches to uh, see which one they would settle in. And what they were realizing is the churches have unwritten expectations. And they said it was interesting how each denomination or group did their own church thing. For instance, he said, some churches that they visited had really, really long sermons. Now, you're probably glad that maybe that's not, not really long, usually. But they said the long sermons, the truly committed people were the ones sitting there taking notes meticulously. They said other churches would have long worship times of music and people would have their hands raised in the air. Some churches, would, if you were privileged, you'd be in the choir and worshipers sang in the choir. They said some churches were constantly pushing the offering where others didn't push it at all and there's just a box in the back. Some emphasized newcomers and evangelism where others basically um, emphasized community service. Some pushed patriotism while others pushed worldwide emphasis. And so we see that sometimes there's unwritten expectations in churches. Paul's righteousness, he says, was not dependent on anything like that. His righteousness came from God. It had nothing to do with his own efforts. He was made righteous through faith in Christ. And he was secure knowing that he was accepted by God. So Paul's goal was to know Christ not through a system of rules 
But he, was, he uses the phrase by participating in his sufferings. Now, in America, we don't talk too much about suffering, especially in the church part. Um, there's a lot about how Christ can help people uh, avoid suffering. I mean, we tend to like those kinds of things. Uh, we talk uh, sometimes about experiencing prosperity. We talk about being healthy and happy. I mean, that's what churches do. I'm not saying here necessarily. We just do the Bible. Those are good things. Yet as Paul suffered in prison, what's interesting, he's suffering in prison, and now he feels closer to Christ than he ever has. Now, I don't think we seek suffering. I mean, I don't seek wanting to go through suffering. Hopefully, we won't have to suffer too much, right? But what we should share with Christ is his servanthood. Philippians 2 7 says that uh, that Christ Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant you see Jesus suffered for the sake of others and as we join him in giving ourselves to him and get we give ourselves to others that's when we draw close to him so Paul's confidence was in the resurrection of the risen Savior Look at verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul had been a Pharisee. The Pharisees as a group, they believed in the resurrection. But Paul's confidence soared to a different level when he met that risen Lord, when he had that personal relationship with Christ. It gave him strength to face the situations that he faced. His current situation in prison, he had confidence. But he also had a hope of eternal life. Now there's a, there's a hymn sometimes we sing, Great is thy faithfulness. And there's a line in that, that I think really tells what we're talking about today. It says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Paul would have agreed with that. The resurrection assured Paul of the power of God in his current situation, while it also gave him assurance of his glorious future. So how do we handle stress? How do we, how do we handle stress when life seems out of control? Maybe we have these runaway thoughts. Maybe we're just confused. Maybe, we, maybe we're filled with rage. Circumstances, sometimes we cannot change. Sometimes we're oppressed by, maybe it's spiritual leaders, maybe it's political leaders. Maybe it's because of the economy. Maybe there's uh, social pressure. We need strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. The resurrection of Christ is evidence that we can trust God for not only what we're going through today in the present, but we can trust him for the future. Now, does that mean we're going to have a stress-free life? No. Paul did not have a stress-free life. Jesus did not have a stress-free life. But what we need to realize is some stress destroys, but other stress builds us up. Let's go on in our passage. Start with verse 12 through 16 of Philippians 3. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now, if you think about an athlete who goes to the weight room every day, every day they start pumping the weights, and day after day they push themselves beyond what, what they can almost do. Every week they seem to put, on, put more weights on there, more reps, more stress. And why do they do that? It's because they have a goal in mind. Whatever competition they might be in, they want to be the best. They want to gain the medal. But what's interesting, as believers, we have the prize. I mean, think about it this way. If, if you were assured, if you, if you could be assured that if you worked hard enough, you could win a gold medal in the Olympics, would you go for it? I mean, maybe it would be worth the incredible effort that you'd put forth. Or maybe you'd look at it and say, I got some other goals in mind. Our goal is better than any of that. Because nothing beats the prize than of hearing God say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So what's the alternative to performance stress? Is it to escape into a world without judgment, um, a life of doing whatever you want. I mean, there's some people who feel the pressure of performance anxiety and they try to escape. They escape in probably negative ways, whether it be addictions of alcohol and drugs or, or uh, maybe it's just a, a negative behavior that they're going through. They try to ease their anxiety somehow. Some people look to people who are just going to be okay with anything that they possibly do whether it's good or evil. Some, some people try to redefine uh, the standards of society or so some will try to redefine what the Bible says and try and say, I just want to do this, so somehow I want God to honor that. But many who do these kinds of things find that that increases their stress. They suffer for the wrong reasons and they find themselves in hopeless situations. They live stressful lives because of their consequences of the way they've lived. So the answer to performance stress is not more rules. It's not more regulations. It's also um, living by no rules. That's not it either. It's living as the Apostle Paul describes living with Christ. Let's look at verses 17 through 21. It says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body.
See, Paul has a vision of a life lived with Jesus. It's not a stress-free life. For like I mentioned before, Jesus did not live a stress-free. But he embraced the stress of a righteous life because he had a vision of the glory to come. If we go back to chapter 2, he gives us an illustration of that when it says in starting verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul shared in that vision of glory, and it made all the stress that he was going through worthwhile. Because you see, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's verses 20 and 21. So now, Paul leaves us with that vision. He says in, in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So are you struggling with performance stress, thinking you've got to perform a certain way in order to be accepted? Because realize that it's not about working more. It's not about going through the motions more and more and more. It's all about submitting our lives to Christ and allowing Him to see us through all of the stress and anxiety that we face. God is going to be with us every step of the way. And you know, isn't that a great to think about? God's on the journey with us. He's just not up in a distance. He's with us. He's right here. And He will give you the strength and comfort along the way. And so when we stumble, He's there to pick us up. But he's there to help us and encourage us and give us not only hope for today, but hope for eternity. And so I trust that if you're dealing with stress today, realize that Christ is right there with you. He knows what you're going through. And he's not there to judge you or you don't have to perform a certain way. He loves you the way you are, but he wants you to come to know him. And I trust that you know him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I know a lot of us, we, we live in a world where it's performance-based. And Lord, I thank you that we don't have to perform a certain way in order to be accepted by you, but you're right here for us with your arms open wide and wanting to accept all of us who call on you. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, I just pray right where they're at. They will just ask you into their heart and life. And Lord, those who are struggling with some stress or struggling with areas of trying to perform or need, feeling like they need to perform, I just pray that you will give them peace right now. Give them comfort to realize they don't have to perform in order to be accepted. And we give you all the praise and glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.